And the Lord looked down, and he saw a lot of brothers there, and he said, Let there be sisters. And lo, the sisters did rise up. This is American Godcast, and I <laughs> am Alex. Wow. What? What, a, what a deep understanding of biblical history. <laughs> what are your names? Um, let's see. I'm Brother You're Justin. Toothless James. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm Pete. Uh, and we're going to be talking about Sister Rising, the latest episode of American Gods. Requisite spoiler warning here. We're going to pretty much jump right into it and uh, sift through all the big things that happened in this episode. So go watch it on the Stars app or Stars on your Prime Video plugin or wherever you prefer to wear, watch Stars. Go do that. Uh, also, if you're listening to these in order as they come out, apologies, this is a little late. It was a holiday weekend. We were pretty chilled out, having a good time. So chill. Gather around the fire in this cold (laughs) north region. Mm. So hopefully for the rest of the season, we'll be back on schedule. But uh, this was was kind of like, I, I would say, the second part. Of last week's episode, right? Or two weeks ago at this point. Yeah, it um, feels like it's sort of luxuriating in the storytelling mm-hmm. a little bit here. Like, taking her time, doing some imagery. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, that's what American Gods is known for. But uh, we get a lot of middles of stories here, which I know Pete loves whenever I say that. But yeah. we get uh, Technical Boy and Shadow Moon still teaming up. We get a bit of Technical Boy's backstory, I'm sure we'll talk about in a moment, as they go to rescue Bilquis. But, of course, Bilquis rescues herself and finds some new understanding by the end of the episode. Meanwhile, Mr. Wednesday... Not exactly plan revealed, but he's definitely gunning for Demeter. He is in the institution with her. He is trying to woo her, wine her, and dine her by being crazy, I guess. But it's a little unclear by the end of the episode. Maybe he does, in fact, have some feelings for Demeter beyond his usual con games. But I guess we'll have to see there. Well, it's uh, like the Laura, end of Meet the Parents. Like, you learn that, um, that Robert De Niro does, he likes his family. You oh, learn okay. that you can milk anything. Is that what you what you talking about? Uh, just watching can, this episode. Can you milk me? I have nipples. Yeah. I feel like I've heard you do that many times, and it, it's many. getting to That's... the point where I think you want me to milk you. <laughs> like, God, are you in, are you in pain? Are you in pain? Here's now? the thing. You know, you ever see those tweets where people are like, "What are you going to do? Whatever you get the vaccine." First thing I'm doing, running to Philadelphia. Pete's going to milk me. <laughs> oh my God! Who's First thirsty? Thing. Well, Not even going to take a train or a car. I'm just going to run all the way well, there. Let me know because I want to taste. I want to see it. Oh, boy. Uh, I, I say that because um, uh, the actress uh, who plays Demeter is from uh, Meet the Parents, right? Yep. Oh, okay. All right. I like how that sentence ended. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because the actress who plays Demeter... Is milked often is what I thought oh, the oh, say or something. Uh, no, uh, but that's um, and when the, there's a lot of familial scenes in this uh, mm-hmm. episode, that I was like, oh, yes, uh, okay. I was having flashbacks. Uh, meanwhile, Laura Moon is making her way across the country with Mad Sweetie's Hatches. She stops off in Cairo uh, to at Mr. Ibis's place, kind of teams up with Salim a little bit, which is fun. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's your episode. <laughs> well, <laughs> don't forget, it was it a lighter in, episode. It turns yeah. into Ocean's 13 for a little bit. Sure, it's just interesting that you chose Oceans 13 to reference <laughs> of those three movies. That's right. 
Very what, interesting. Uh, real quick, what's the plot of Ocean's 13, Pete? The same of every plot. It's like slick cuts to people doing bad things to cool music. Uh, all right, you got me. That is the plot of Ocean's 13. <laughs> yeah, he, that's a win. I mean, to, and to be fair, like that was clearly like a Soderbergh uh, ref, and yeah. I thought it was great. Well, I want overall, that show. I would watch that show. Uh, overall, I think I'm starting to get back on board with American Gods. With last week, the not last week's. I keep saying last week's. It was two weeks ago. But the last episode and this episode, they're fun. I'm having fun watching this show again, where it got kind of mired at the beginning of the season, but it really seems to be picking up now, and that's great. I agree. Like, it is fun. Um, and the the way they're able to just shift wildly between the different characters and stuff that's happening is so good. And it, I don't even mind, I feel like we talked in the past about how there's so much, Shadow Moon must be traveling vast distances that we never see, because he's always with different people. I don't mind that at all. I like that he's sort of our guide through all these different things. The team up with Technical Boy and finding Bilquis and all that stuff I thought was so great, so well done. Bilquis sort of getting her her power back um, in, in in a new way that we've seen in this series uh, was great. And then you get to see him do all this other uh, fun Soderbergh stuff. Like that, it felt like multiple episodes of TV, and it, even though it was one, and I didn't feel disjointed to me. Pete, you look, you leaned into your microphone as if you were about to say something. Yeah, I mean, I I really had a lot of fun. Um, I really liked the kind of stop moment, you know, where uh, that that was a lot of fun. But the ending got me m- very mad, and I'm a little worried about where oh, things boy. are going. Uh, but <laughs> Interesting. Uh, I knew it. I knew it. That when made I saw me that so happen. happy. You stay, you stay away from him. What the fuck are you doing? You got so your magical leprechaun. You don't need to ruin Shadow Moon's life. Well, hold on. So end of the episode. Great moment. I loved how this was shot. Shadow yeah. comes back to Lakeside. Things are very weird in Lakeside. They seem to be falling apart very quickly. Everybody's kind of fighting. It feels like whatever the idyllic town was there is sort of starting to crumble. Is apart the a car bit. even still on the ice? We don't know. This well, is a big question. What's going on with the clunker? And, and they say that, sh- that when before the ice breaks in a lakeside town like this, the tension builds amongst the, the population until the ice goes out. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that may be part of it here. I grew up on a yeah, lake definitely. and I was tense as fuck in the winter. Oh, also, it was yeah. very cold and, uh, you know, no, no sun, really. <laughs> The only lake I ever lived by was the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> mm, nice. Harder to Not, ice skate on that fucker, though, right? But every year, we'd go across to England, <laughs> skate right over. Just skate right over? <laughs> skate right over to England. Hello, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> it's me again. Give me some tip tabs. Oh, those are Australian. That was a bad reference. Oh, uh, anyway, end of the show, though, what I was saying was there's this great shot. Shadow sits down at the bar, orders some food, asks what's going on, and then somebody brings a pasty over to the, another customer, says, hey, every new customer gets a free pasty, and it turns out it's Laura, and she says, hey, long time, and that's where we end. Uh, great. So Great good. moment. Loved this reveal. Nope. I mean, believe me, I'm a Laura Mad Sweeney guy. In my heart. But I thought this was just such a great reveal. And you really feel their relationship in this moment, which is something we haven't felt really at all on this show. 
Right? What relationship? What are you talking about? You shouldn't be feeling anything. Though the two strangers to each other shouldn't be anything more. Oh yeah, you believe that once you die and come back to life, that ends all marriages and stuff, right? <laughs> yep. That's well, how it was. Till death do you part, and she did die. So yeah. I don't know though. To bring that up when you first see, like you first see your dead wife mm-hmm. now reincarnated, to be like, ah, not married. Uh, <laughs> I'm dating my landlord. Well, Pete, the cool thing about that is now that she's back and their marriage is null and void, they can get married again. And we can have that's a more moon shadow moon that's, wedding by the end that's of the not season. Funny. That's not funny. That's fun. God, planning a wedding is fun. I've done it. Alex has done it. Pete, question mark. You know, we don't know. <laughs> Pete works <laughs> half time as a wedding planner. So that's what I mean. I'm talking about your wedding planning business, Pete. I'm not trying Part to. time. Yeah. I'm not okay, trying to cast any. Is- do. You're going to drive up in a car that I call Black Betty. It's going to be piled trunk to front with cheese sticks. You get there. The yeah. Mountain Dew shooting everywhere in fountains right over you as you go up to the altar. The, the priest says, You married? Uh, get out of here. And that's it. Wow. Excuse me, sir. That's beautiful, you're the, dude. You're, you're, the wedding, all... you're the wedding planner? The humans aren't here. You're just marrying these two cars? What is <laughs> what is this about for you? What I like about this last moment, beyond it just being a great cliffhanger for the next episode, is we have these characters in very different places right now, like we've been joking about. But Laura coming back to life, finding a new purpose and focus. Shadow Moon seems so much more settled. Now in Lakeside, he's more understanding of his place in the world. So what do they mean to each other? That's going to be exciting. Even if it is nothing, but it's an exciting conversation to have in the next episode. I mean, just, just no, why, just a flat no, right, yeah, Pete? That's right. Why have that when you could be, I don't know, maybe showing us some sweet cars? I mean, we saw the protege was on top of a sweet Lincoln. We got a nice shot of the Lincoln going by. That was nice. Maybe you just want to watch, like, um, you should go watch, you know what, Traffic. And I don't even mean the movie. I mean just <laughs> lowercase t Traffic. Because it's, it's what you want. And I don't know why you're watching the show where the characters are interesting, and then when they come together, it's exciting. When all you really want to watch is a couple of wheels spin back. I don't want to see characters get together uh, or be together after one character disrespected another character. You know what I mean? You you want to go live a different life? Go do that. Be happy with your leprechaun. Don't fuck up my shit. <laughs> wow. Be happy with your box of ashes. Yeah. Uh, it, also, Great. by the way, Pete, I appreciate, I know you, we talk about your wedding planning business, but your t-shirt business where you sell, uh, go be with your lep- leprechaun and don't fuck up my shit. It's right. really, it's really taking off. Mm-hmm. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's good it. stuff. All right. Uh, I wanted to jump back to the beginning of the episode because I loved how this kicked off. We were at the World's Columbian Exposition in Chicago, 1893. I guess we find the origin of Technical Boy. I don't know if he was a god at that point or nope. if he was a human and became a god, potentially. Yeah, it was the steampunk robot that uh, turned him into a god. Well, th- this, if... If what this episode was trying to tell us is something that's going to go on forward as an idea, it made me think that the new gods are, like, not real. Or they're, like, inherent inherent failures or inherently not as powerful as the regular gods. Because we see the story of him here is that it's all fake and he doesn't uh, – it just can't function without this clinging to this falsehood. 
I I loved it. I mean, I love yeah. the magnificent you, Maximilian. I thought that was a great character. You, I love the callback, which I didn't expect later on. Yes. That when Technical Boy feels defeated, him running back to this crate and hiding in there. It's the a whole way it was filmed was great. I, I did have one question though, because we don't have unfortunately Mr. Nancy around to narrate yeah. the show anymore. Who is narrating at this point? Who is the narrator? Because somebody is telling these stories, and I can't quite tell who it was. Maybe it's Mr. Ibis, but I'm not 100% sure. He definitely feels like the narrator. He feels very powerful in this episode, and it's sort of like, you idiots, go do your shit. I'm staying here. So let me get this straight. You liked the uh, Maximilian stuff where he just kind of bullied... Uh, the new tech god. You thought that was cool. You really you were stroking Pete, your mustache and being like, yeah. one, uh, "Can I tell you what I actually love? I love that at least once a month on some podcast we have to explain what the word like means." So in this case, <laughs> what I'm saying is, I appreciated how the sequence is done. Not I liked a magician bullying a boy. Well, because that's what you said. <laughs> so I just wanted to give you a chance to clarify. Oh, I, so I like I thanks like for what, holding my nuts to the fire. Wow, nuts! Yikes! Where did you grow up? I like when magicians bully children. Uh, if that's okay. what we're talking about, I like when they're like, "Pick a card, kid." Yeah, I'm going to tell you what that card is. It's the Queen of Hearts, idiot. <laughs> that's magic. This whole sequence is really well done. All the stuff with Technical Boy is really well done. It was a little ridiculous that all the stuff with. Shadow and Technical Boy did not pan out at all with Bilquis. It led to a fun moment, but it also was like all this buildup for not much. At the yeah, end of the day. Shadow Moon was like, well, the reason I'm here, and then he just like turns around and he's gone. He yeah, well, go. What I, I liked about that, though, was like Technical Boy was like, I can't hang with her. She's got her power. She's mm-hmm. powerful now. Because um, I think, and this is just my interpretation, but I feel like, Bilquis for these all these seasons, it's like, I don't know quite what I am. Maybe I'm going to be with the new gods uh, and just be this sort of like new sex god and goddess and all that. And then in this episode, we just see her find her true old god power, mm-hmm. and it's undeniable. And I think that's why Technical Boy just runs off because he's like, I can't even mm-hmm. hang with that. And it feels like all the new gods' powers aren't core human values. They're like fads, mm-hmm. like technology. So you're talking about like during that uh, trailer for Stomp, uh, you, that's when she got her, is that what you're talking about? That is what I'm what talking about. What are you about. talking about? Are you talking about when she was commuting with the old African gods? Yeah, I'm yeah. talking about I like. I call fe- that stomp. That feels a little derogatory. Okay. Uh, I just felt like. <laughs> Pete loves it stomp. It was, it was, yeah, made me miss, uh, you know, seeing th- uh, things in New York City, especially in like. Oh man. You uh, know, as like a live shows. Yorker, one of my favorite things is going out to see stomp or blue bad group or like. Uh, eating at don't the bring up. In Times Square. Top yeah. three right there. There's no more indie theater in New York than seeing Stomp. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, But, yeah, I, it was nice to see her get her swagger back. And it was hysterical when, like, they showed up and she was like, oh, are you here to rescue me? I thought that was great. Yeah, it was great. Pete, I thought you would specifically call out how good the fries Bill Quist was eating. Oh, yeah, that on. was a fun line. It was a fun line. Guys, She still got her sense of humor. Fries are worth it, okay? I will like say, I don't love it. down, mm. you know, just uh, have some fries. It'll make you feel better. I don't love a tower of fries. I'm like, because mm-hmm. uh, uh, then it's, it's inaccessible, first off. 
Yeah, uh, wait. And what are you talking? All, what's not accessible about a tower of fries? It's all you got to come into the top. That's, yeah. I never enter a tower that way. What? I always come into the bottom. <laughs> so what are you in a helicopter? That's a that's. I want fries no, man, just splayed you out. Drive your car from one tower to the other, like in a Furious uh, Seven. Wow, that's right, Furious. <laughs> that's seven. what I do. Uh, I'm just saying a tower is a, a difficult container. It doesn't maximize. I agree with you. There's always a bunch that are stuck at the bottom. You got to take it, dump it onto your plate. Just put it on the plate. Cut out a step there. You know. I'm a busy man. Yeah. Why? I don't you waste time ex- dumping my tower of fries. You exclusively eat food in tower form, Pete? <laughs> Who cares how it comes? It's fries. It doesn't matter if it's in a, a tower, a tube, a fucking tub. Tube, fucking, it's tub. fries. You're winning. <laughs> uh, how was your cereal like tower tub? this morning, Pete? Very <laughs> difficult to eat. Very hard to eat. Oh, boy. Uh, so let's see. We've pretty much covered Bilquis there. Uh, let's talk about who else? What else should we talk about in this episode? Um, we could talk a little oh, bit about Mr. Wednesday, I Mr. guess, Wednesday. right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, Demeter. Like, are you saying you buy it? You buy his feelings here? I kind of buy it a little bit just because there's towards the end of the storyline, in this episode at least, there's a moment where Mr. Wednesday is left alone. Everybody else has left the scene and it feels like he crumples a little bit. You see him a little bit softer thinking about Demeter, thinking about everything else. Maybe I'm being suckered by him. Of course, I think of course, at the end of the day, he is going to be working at angle and he will betray everybody and he'll get what he wants about it. But I do think in this one case, he's going to feel kind of bad about it at the same time. Right. Wow. So he's in love just for this one moment. It was mm-hmm. weird because he it did seem like at times he was in love. And then he was like, oh, you know, you have a bunch of wives. And then it was like, you know, but then he was like, this used to be my wife. It, and then it was like, oh, maybe he does care. Uh, but yeah, it's. In, I feel like after that speech she gave to, to Shadow Moon, where she was like, let me really look at you. And then kind of had some words. I feel like after that, she was like, I don't want to part of any of this bullshit anymore. Do you, uh, not do you, I, I really like the champagne speech. I thought that was really good. Just comparing love to champagne. I thought that was a nice little metaphor there. Um, what do you think she wants at this point to meet her just to be left alone? I think it's, I, I guess maybe on the other end, why do you think Wednesday needs her? I mean, I, I don't want to say too much in case any plot points we know from the book are really folded in here, but it does, the moment where Demeter, Shadow, and Wednesday are together there, it felt like a family moment. And I, that feels purposeful and something that um, Wednesday is manipulating into place, um, despite the fact that he he feels like he's doing it genuinely, but I think he is manipulating that into place for his other purposes that we don't know about yet. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of like he wants to let her know that she's being kind of swindled a little bit and show that to her. Um, and then, you know, who knows what will happen after that. But I, I think uh, like he heard about the way what's going on with her and how she doesn't have access to her money. And he's willing to put a stop for that. And sure, yeah, he, he wants a cut of that. You know, you got to get paid for your work. But, you know, I, I don't know if he's doing it for good reasons. But this, yeah, this isn't about the money. There's some God reason here. God of the old folks' homes. You know, you got to have that on your side if you're going to go into war. 
Mm-hmm. That's definitely what's going on here. Exactly. Uh, how are you feeling about Cordelia this episode? She's very cool. She is cool. But you uh, talking about the protege? The protege. I yes. like that you used the word protege for her, Pete. Well, <laughs> that's how Wednesday refers to her in front of Moonshadow, which I thought maybe would have caused some kind of riff. I think maybe he was fishing for a little something there, and Moonshadow's like, nah, I'm, I'm over you, bro. Uh, but the, I thought the protege moment where she was on that sweet Lincoln and was like, do I need to apply for a new job here? Should I be, you know, is he completely out of his gourd? Um, so, yeah, I feel like uh, uh, I like the her and uh, Moonshadow stuff back and forth. And uh, I, I think that, like, as the apps go on, they're going to continue to kind of grow that relationship. Yeah, I mean... Them as a as a one two punch duo in this episode, I thought was great. Like I, yeah. another show I would watch in this episode. I was very surprised, given the title of the episode being "Sister Rising," and we've speculated that Cordelia is another one of Mister Wednesday's kids. I was really surprised that reveal didn't come in this episode. Maybe yeah. it's not coming. Maybe we're looking into it too deeply. But certainly, versus his relationship with his landlord which is sweet and cute and they're flirting and she's been thinking about him. Yeah. There is not flirting going on between shadow and Cordelia. Coworkers. And in my mind, the only way that would happen is if they're brother and sister. That's wow. it. That's the mm. only way you don't flirt with someone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wow. That's uh cool. That's a- <laughs> right. You little cuties. <laughs> oh my God. What is happening? Here we go. <laughs> this is what we've been waiting for. All that talk of milking you really got you into this. All that talk of milking you. That's what my, my family always says at family reunions. That's why we don't talk about it anymore. But uh, did you guys do you guys yes. want to talk a little bit more about the Lincoln? Because it was the soft top with a sunroof option, which, you know, I mean, you don't see that really. So it was really nice to see it in such great shape. Are you tr- are you trying to sell cars or because I don't hear you talk about cars a lot. You don't own a car, do you? Yes, I do. <laughs> oh, you do. Why don't you ever talk about the car that you own? Let's hear about that car. <laughs> well, it's not a, on a TV show right now, so that's why we don't talk about it. Oh, you so gotta put it out there, dude. Send yeah. it on some auditions. Yeah, You're exactly. Right. You're right. You gotta. Yeah. What what is your car triple threat? Like, how's it sound? <laughs> What's its choreography? We got to work it on it. It drives. It parks. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. What's the horn <laughs> like? Is it just honk? Or is it like... It's more of a jalopy sounding horn, yeah. You have to work. If you want to work, you have to work. It's a job. It's show business. It's not show fuck around. It's show business. Oh, wow. Wow. Before we start to wrap up here, what other moments do you guys want to call out from the episode? Any other thing that stuck out to you? Uh, I'll mention uh, one of my favorite lines of the episode is when Mr. Ibis is saying he will give them his car to yeah. Salim and Laura. She says, either you're very generous, you want me to leave, and there's just a slight pause that he says, yes. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. made me laugh. I it needs to be a fun curmudgeon in this whole episode. Mm-hmm. Pete, um, anything you want to call out? Uh, yeah, just kind of paging through the notes here. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, 
I like the whole, uh, you know, calling it number 37. That was fun. Like, you know, they were old school grifters. You know, that was kind of a fun bit. Uh, but yeah, I, I think overall um, it was uh, a solid ep. Uh, I'm a little nervous about moving forward. Um, I do like her with the leprechaun. I just don't want her to fuck with other people. You know what I mean? Uh, I love seeing Laura Moon um, in this. She's she's fun. She's living. She's full of life. I want to see where this goes in any capacity. She going to bring that leprechaun back to life? Because leprechaun's dead. Her ex-husband, yeah. alive. But she's got the coin. I mean, you know, she can make some magic. You can throw the coin in the dusty old leprechaun and hope it pops up. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I got a little nervous when Salim had the coin in his hand. I thought maybe he was going to wish for his gin or something, you know? Mm. Yeah. Well, it doesn't seem to be glowing. That's true. During that scene. So I don't know how much magic is necessarily left in that thing. I also, on that note, we didn't really talk about this, but Salim talking to her about there could be nothing closer than having mad sweeties blood in your veins mm-hmm. is very sweet and very American gods, like a very sort yeah. of dark, but beautiful metaphorical thing. Going I, on did, I thought that was very nice. I did like Celine being like, so you died. What happened? Like, tell me what the fuck happened when you, after you die. Yeah, that was good. It was good to finally get confirmation of that. That definitely yeah. makes me feel better. Me oh, too. Yeah, but, yeah, just, but what happens to cars when they die? Pete, and don't well, start crying. I know what, before we started taping, you were really <laughs> upset about the clunker. But mm-hmm. Have you ever been to a car funeral? They're really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Pete's I mean, catered a few. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I honestly think there was more plot about Pete in this podcast episode than there was in the <laughs> episode of Probably. American Gods. Before we wrap up here, let's talk about who was worthy of your worship this episode. Pete. You first. Who was most worthy of your worship? Who? Uh, I'm going to have to say uh, Demeter. I really like um, how she's uh, kind of turning Wednesday into maybe something good. Uh, This is the first time we've kind of ever seen... Wednesday act right. Uh, so it'll uh, her kind of like who's playing who I really appreciate it. So I'm going to say I was really impressed with her in this ep. Justin, what about you? Got to give it up for Bilquis in this episode. Like great Bilquis episode just to see the transformation. It felt like it paid off her character for the whole run of the series and actually help to make sense of some of the more wandering choices they've made. So I'm here for Bilquis. I'm going to give it up to Technical Boy in this episode. Always a fun character, but I really like the sequences with him. I thought seeing him crying and scared in his box was a really fascinating place to put him at the end. And just overall, as we talked about, I like watching magicians bully kids. So it was just a pleasure (laughs) to see that happen to him. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Do Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We'll chat with you about American Gods, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at a Godcast on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, keep on praying. <laughs> Classic church sign-off. Woo, keep it praying.